Now towards the end of the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala addresses the people of the book again. Ya ahlal kitab, O people of the book, la taghlu fi dinikum. Do not commit excess in your religion. La taghlu. Taghlu is from ghayn, lam, waw. And ghulu is to increase something beyond its proper limits. To increase something beyond its proper limits. To exceed the proper bounds. At-tajawuz anil had To overdo. So for example, if someone has done something good, okay, they did their homework, so you praise them. You praise them, okay. A little bit of praise is sufficient. But if you say to your child, just because he did his homework, which he's supposed to do anyway, you say, yeah, my son is the best and he's going to be the best person, and look at your homework, so wonderful, so amazing. If you overpraise the child, okay, overpraise the child, then what will happen? He will grow up to believe that he is really the best. And what will happen? This will lead to pride, and this will lead to not accepting any kind of failure. Correct? Isn't it so? So, like I remember when I was growing up, my parents wouldn't praise us that much. Okay? And I would feel like, why don't they praise us? I mean, I did this, I did this, and my mom, is she not proud of me? My dad, is he not proud of us? But they wouldn't praise us that much. It would be like an acknowledgement, a smile, a pat on the back, Alhamdulillah, and move on. And my mom, she says that her, her father was even more strict in this way, that she would come with you know, the best marks in her class in the 90s, and, and he would say, who got more than you? Who got more than you? Who scored more than you? What happens is that this keeps you motivated, right? That you realize that no matter what you've done, it's not enough. I mean, there has to be a balance, obviously. right? There has to be a balance between praise and non-praise. There has to be a balance. But anyway, ghulu is what? To exceed that balance. To overdo something, to exaggerate. So the people of the book are told, do not commit excess in your religion. What is excess in religion that they're committing? Many excesses. For example, they exalted the status of the messengers from human beings to that of children of God, son of God. They exalted the status of the angels from servants of Allah to those who are being worshipped literally. Holy Ghost, worshipped, right? Likewise, they exalted the status of their pious people, their scholars, their monks, so much so that they would prostrate to them, or they give them ultimate authority in the matters of religion, that whatever they say, they accept. They can even change the book, and it's okay. They accept that change, they accept that alteration. So all of this is what? Ghulu in the deen. Allah says, لَا تَغْلُوا فِي دِينِكُمْ Do not commit excess in your religion. Do not go to extremes. You know, from the same root is the word ghaliya. Okay? And ghaliya is used for something that's very expensive. Overpriced. Okay? Overpriced, expensive. This is ghulub, right? So, لَا تَغْلُوا فِي دِينِكُمْ وَلَا تَقُولُوا And do not say عَلَى اللَّهِ about Allah إِلَّا except الْحَقْ The truth. Meaning, only speak the truth about Allah. Truth about Allah, whether it's concerning His being, His lordship, His attributes, His legislation, His oneness, whatever you say about Allah, it should be the truth. Don't say that so-and-so is a prophet, whereas he's not a prophet. Allah never sent revelation to him. Don't say that so-and-so speaks to God, whereas Allah never spoke to him. Don't say 
that so and so is a son of God, whereas you have no evidence for that. لا تغلو في دينكم ولا تقولوا على الله إلا الحق. And in particular, their غلوب was concerning who? Isa salam. This is why Allah makes clear that إِنَّمَا الْمَسِيحُ Indeed the Messiah. Isa ibn Maryam. Isa salam, the son of Maryam. Who was he? He was Rasulullah, the messenger of Allah. وَكَلِمَتُهُ And his word. What does it mean by his word? Meaning he was created at the word of Allah. Which word? Kalima kun. He's saying kun. Allah said kun. And Isa salam came into existence. He was produced. He came into existence at the word of Allah. And this word, Al-Qaha, he cast it, he directed it, ila Maryam to Maryam. Meaning, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded that Maryam should conceive, and she conceived. And there was a ruh, waruhun, and Isa a.s. was a ruh, meaning his soul, was minhu from him, meaning created by him. Just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created so many arwah, he created the ruh of Isa a.s. as well. Just as any other woman conceives, Maryam also conceived. Typically women conceive because of other causes. And even that they cannot conceive unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows. When can a sperm enter an ovum? When can that unity take place? When? When can fertilization take place? When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows for it to happen. Otherwise people can try for years. They can treatment after treatment. But a woman will not conceive. Why? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not allowed it. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's idhn has to be there for every other pregnancy, it was there for Maryam alayhi salam as well. She conceived only at the command of Allah. And yes, it was a miracle. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is God and He can perform miracles. This is why He is the Lord. He's not limited in His power. So don't think that just because Isa alayhi salam had a miraculous birth, He's not a human being. No, He is a human being. فَآمِنُوا بِاللَّهِ Therefore believe in Allah وَرُسُلِهِ and His messengers all of His messengers whether it's Isa a.s. or Muhammad wasallam, believe in all of them وَلَا تَقُولُوا ثَلَاثَةٍ and do not say three What does this word ثَلَاثَةٍ refer to? The belief of Trinity that the Christians have Allah says don't say that لَا تَقُولُوا ثَلَاثَةٍ انتهوا stop from نُون هَيَا نَهِي Intahu, stop. When do you say to someone, don't say it, stop. When do you say something like this to a person? When they're saying something which is unacceptable. Isn't it so? When they're saying something that is disgusting, that you don't want to hear, that is false, that is incorrect, that is inappropriate. So likewise, saying, Salasa, that there are three gods, three in one, this is a disgusting concept. Don't even say it. Don't even pronounce it. This is something that Allah hates so much that He says, لا تقولوا Don't say that. And He says, انتهوا Stop it. Stop saying it. What is this concept of Trinity? Of three? Of three gods? That they say there is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Right? And there are some other versions of it as well. How can there be three gods? There is only one God. There is only one God. And you'll find many debates of Dr. Zakir Naik and Ahmad Didad on this issue. So I recommend that you listen to them to increase in your understanding, in your knowledge of how this concept is not correct. It doesn't make sense. It's illogical. 
So la taqulu salatha. Do not say this. Do not believe in it. Intahu. Stop it. Khairan lakum. It is better for you. Because innama. Indeed not. But Allahu. Allahi is ilahu wahid. He is one God. He is only one God. There is only one Allah. And He is only one God. Subhanahu. Glorified is He. Exalted is He. An yakuna lahu walad. That He should have a child. He is far above from the deficiency, from the weakness of needing a child, of having a child. Who needs a child? Someone who needs to exist. Right? Someone who needs that their kind will continue to exist. This is why animals, birds, human beings, they have children. Right? This is why they procreate. Because if they don't have children, if they don't procreate, what will happen? After a few decades, they will go extinct. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above this weakness. He doesn't need, because He is al-hayy. He is ever-living. He doesn't need children. I remember that I was listening to a lecture by Dr. Bilal Phillips, and he was saying that often whenever if you look at a cat, right, and it has a child, it's a kitten, and it has similar qualities of that to a cat. So when we say that Allah is unique, for him to have a child, that would mean that the child has similar qualities to that of the father or the mother. So then that defeats the point of saying that Allah is unique. Because if his child would have similar qualities then. Exactly. And how can you say that there is God and he has a human child? It's not possible. I mean, a cat has a kitten, right? The child is always similar to the parent. But a human being is very different from God. There's no resemblance. Completely different. So, إِنَّمَ اللَّهُ إِلَهٌ وَاحِدٌ سُبْحَانَهُ أَنْ يَكُونَ لَهُ وَلَدٌ He is above this deficiency of needing a child. لَهُ مَا فِي السَّمَوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ To him belongs whatever that is in the heavens and whatever that is in the earth. And Isa a.s. is part of that. So he owns Isa a.s. And you don't own children. Children are free. You don't own children. They're not property. They're not possession. لَهُ مَا فِي السَّمَوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ وَكِيلًا And why should you turn to someone else? Why should you need another God? When Allah is there, when He is sufficient as disposer of affairs, when He is sufficient as someone whom you can rely upon, then why turn to someone else? So what's the point of saying, وَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ وَكِيلًا That you don't need any other God besides Allah. He will forgive your sins when you will seek forgiveness from Him. He doesn't need to have a son and sacrifice him for your sake so that you can be forgiven. No, this is too complicated. You turn to Him, say sorry, and He can forgive your sins. وَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ وَكِيلًا You need some help, you can ask Him directly. You don't need to go to Him through so and so and through so and so. Ask Him directly. He is sufficient. He is enough. وَكَفَى بِاللَّهِ وَكِيلًا لَنْ يَسْتَنْكِفَ الْمَسِيحُ Another evidence that Isa a.s. is a messenger of Allah and not God. What is that? That He would never, the Messiah, meaning Isa a.s. would never disdain أَن يَكُونَ عَبْدًا لِلَّهِ That he should be a servant to Allah. What does this word يَسْتَنْكِفْ mean? يَسْتَنْكِفْ is from نُونْ كَافَ And نَكَفَ is to think too proud of oneself to do something. That when you feel that you're too above it. And for you to do it would mean embarrassing yourself. So for example, a person, he believes that he is very good, he is very nice, he is very righteous person. So when somebody says to them, 
read Quran or pray salah, they get offended. Okay? They get offended. That, why are you telling me? You think I'm not good enough? You think I'm not righteous enough? So this is what? Looking down on something good. Thinking that you're too good. You're too above it. You're better than it. And it also gives the meaning of that you're too embarrassed to do it. That you feel that if you'll do it, you'll get humiliated. You'll become small, like average people. That if you pray, just like they're praying, you'll become like them. Okay? That if you have to go and apologize to someone, then you're humiliating yourself. You're degrading yourself. Allah says, لَن يَسْتَنْكِفَ الْمَسِيحُ Isa salam never felt too proud to be what? A servant to Allah. Because for a person to be a servant of Allah is actually an honor. It is not humiliation. What is it? An honor. This is why Muhammad ﷺ is called Abd of Allah, servant of Allah in the Qur'an at various places. Why? Because it is an honor. There was a man who said about his lover that don't call me by any name of mine except Ya Abdaha or her slave. Because he said, فَإِنَّهُ أَشْرَفُ أَسْمَائِي Because indeed this is the most noble name of mine. Meaning this is the best way that you can call me. O servant of her, O her servant. Hmm? O servant of Fulana. Because I'm so proud of being her servant. I love her so much. So likewise, to be a servant of Allah is what? An honor, not humiliation. Isa salam never felt too proud to worship Allah. Nor the close angels. Muqarrabun from Qurb. Those who are close to Allah, even they never feel too proud to worship Allah. They are servants of Allah and they accept their status as servants of Allah. So don't think that if you call him son of God, you're exalting his status. No. He's fine as he is. You're not honoring him anymore. The way you can honor him most is when you call him servant of Allah. وَمَن يَسْتَنْكِفْ عَنْ عِبَادَتِهِ And whoever disdains his worship, whoever is too proud to worship him, feels that if he worships Allah, he'll be humiliated in the eyes of people. His status will become low. وَيَسْتَكْبِرْ And he is proud from istikbar, takabbur. He is too proud to worship Allah. First of all, he looks down, and secondly, he's too proud. Such people, فَسَيَحْشُرُهُمْ إِلَيْهِ جَمِيعًا Soon he will gather all of them to himself together. Meaning those who refuse to worship Allah, where will they go? Eventually everyone is going back to Allah. And when a person is going back to Allah with this arrogance, that I'm not going to listen to you, I'm not going to worship you, then for such a person is only humiliation. In Surah Mu'min, Ayah 60, we learn, وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمُ دُعُونِي أَسْتَجِبُ لَكُمْ Allah says, call upon me, I will respond to you. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يَسْتَكْبِرُونَ عَنْ عِبَادَتِي Those people who are too proud to worship me, سَيَدُخُلُونَ جَهَنَّمَ الدَّاخِرِينَ They will all be made to enter hellfire, contemptible. Meaning they'll be degraded, they'll be humiliated. So what do we learn in this verse? The true honor is in? Worshipping Allah. So never feel shy, never feel embarrassed to open up your Qur'an and begin reciting it. Never feel too shy to open up your book of du'as and making du'as. Never feel embarrassed that you're sitting before people in the masjid and you're lifting up your hands to supplicate to Allah. Never, ever feel shy to stand up in order to pray when other people are just watching. This is an honor, not embarrassment. Whoever feels embarrassed, whoever feels too proud, 
then such a person will be humiliated. فَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا So as for those people who believe, وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ And they do righteous deeds, فَيُوَفِّيهِمْ أُجُورَهُمْ So he will give them in full their wages. Ujur plural of? Ajr. And notice the word, يُوَفِّي. وَاو فَيَا Fully he will give them their wages. Nothing at all will be reduced. وَيَزِيدُهُمْ مِنْ فَضْلِ You can only expect generosity from Allah. So he will increase them from his bounty. He will not give Reward that is equal to the good that has been done. Rather, he will give more reward. He will multiply it. On the other hand, وَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ اسْتَنْكَفُوا As for those people who are scornful, who disdain, who look down on the worship of Allah, وَاسْتَكْبَرُوا And they're proud, فَيُعَذِّبُهُمْ عَذَابًا أَلِيمًا So he will punish them with a painful punishment. وَلَا يَجِدُونَ لَهُمْ And they will not find for themselves. يَجِدُونَ from وَجَدَ they will not find for themselves min besides Allah waliyan any friend wala nasira nor any helper no friend is going to come rescue them no helper is going to come to assist them so what's the lesson that we learn over here that obedience demands what sacrifice of ego you have to sacrifice your ego you have to kill it basically you have to destroy it in order to become the true servant of Allah. Because what is it that stops us from obeying Allah? Me, myself, I. I can't say sorry. I can't forgive them. I can't keep praying. My legs are tired. I can't fast. I'm hungry. Right? I have work to do. I have other things in life. It's always our nafs that comes in the middle that prevents us from worshipping Allah. Always check anything that you're not doing or anything that you are disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in. What's the main reason? We blame people. We blame circumstances. But who is obeying them? Who is obeying the people? We are. Right? We are. So who is to blame? We are to blame. It's always us. This is why this Ramadan, pray to Allah to save you, to protect you from the evil of your nafs. Because your nafs stops you from the worship of Allah. Think about it. When you're sleeping and you have to get up to pray, what stops you? What stops you from getting up? Is somebody holding your blanket down, not letting you get up? Has somebody tied you to the bed? Are you attached to the bed? Is there a Velcro? Like you're stuck to the bed? Are you glued to the bed? Nothing. Has somebody said that if you get up, you'll be shot dead? No one. Then what is stopping us? Us, right? It's our ego, our nafs that stops us from obeying Allah. This is why Allah says, Ya ayyuhannas, O mankind, qad ja'akum burhanu mir rabbikum. A clear, conclusive proof has come to you from your Lord. What is burhan? From baraha, baraha yabrahu, is to be manifest. To be manifest, what something is clear. Bariha is to be white, bright, brilliant, shining. When something is like this, you can't miss it. And from this, the word burhan is used for an evidence, a proof that solves the argument, that removes doubts. So this Qur'an is what? A conclusive proof. Any question you have, the answers are there. Any doubt you have, it will remove it. How important is it, tell me, to refer to the Qur'an again and again and again? When you see that your nafs is stopping you from obeying Allah, then you need the Qur'an. 
You need to review the Qur'an. You need to read the verses of punishment, the verses of reward, to give you the strength to overcome your soul. So, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسِ قَدْ جَاءَكُمْ بُرْهَانٌ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ A conclusive proof from your Lord has come to you. وَأَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكُمْ نُورًا مُبِينًا And we have sent to you a clear light. Noor. What is noor? Light. And this light is mubin. Mubin bayanun. Even more clear. You can't miss it. It's clear light. And what does light do? It enlightens. It removes the darkness. So any ignorance you have, anything that is unclear in your mind, any doubt that you have, the Qur'an will remove it. It will dispel it. Any fear, any worry, it will remove it. Because in the darkness, you're also afraid. Correct? So this Qur'an will remove those fears. It will enlighten you. It will show you the way. وَأَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكُمْ نُورًا مُبِينًا So hold on to it. Read it. Read it again. Review it. Recite it. Listen to it. Never ever leave it. Because as long as you hold on to it, you will remain on the right path. What do we learn? وَاعْتَصِمُوا بِحَبْلِ اللَّهِ جَمِيعًا right? Hold on to the rope of Allah for your own good. فَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا بِاللَّهِ As for those people who believe in Allah, وَاعْتَصَمُوا بِهِ And they hold fast to Him. They believe in Allah and they hold on to Him. What does it mean by holding on to Allah? Holding on to His rope. Trusting upon Him, relying upon Him, seeking help from Him. وَاعْتَصَمُوا بِهِ فَسَيُدْخِلُهُمْ فِي رَحْمَةٍ مِّنْهُ then such people, he will admit them into mercy from him. Meaning he will admit them into his special mercy. وَفَضْلٍ And also favor. Meaning he will give them special favor. Who? Those who believe and hold on to Allah. How can you hold on to Allah? By talking to Him, by seeking His help, by listening to Him. There's a two-way communication that has to be there. When you want to listen, when you want to take guidance from Allah, you have to read the Qur'an. And when you want to talk, when you want to express, you have to do dhikr, you have to make dua. So both of these things have to be present in your life. Qur'an and dhikr in order to hold on to Allah. So those who hold on to Him, then such people will be admitted into His mercy and special favor. He will protect them. He will guide them. وَيَهْدِيهِمْ إِلَيْهِ صِرَاطًا مُسْتَقِيمًا And He will guide them to Himself on a straight path. He will keep them on the right track. And this is a big reminder at the end of the surah. That hold on to the Qur'an if you want to remain steadfast. And finally, there's one verse which tells us about the law of inheritance. You might wonder, law of inheritance, all of a sudden, what's the relationship here? At the beginning of the surah, laws were given. At the end of the surah, again, a law is given. Why? For further clarification. This verse talks about the case of kalala, the person who doesn't have ascendants or descendants. Right? And the inheritance concerning such a person was mentioned before. But Allah is giving more detail. What does that Prove that any confusion you have, any matter that is unclear, you will find the answer in the book of Allah. You just have to refer to it again. You just have to read it again and you will find the answer. Allah says, يَسْتَفْتُونَكَ They request you for a legal ruling. قُلِ اللَّهُ يُفْتِيكُمْ فِي الْكَلَالَةِ Say Allah gives you the ruling concerning the kalala. Who is kalala? 
No father, no grandfather, no mother, no grandmother, no children, no grandchildren. This person, inimru'un halaka, if a man dies, and the word imru'un, the feminine of that is imra'ah. Have you heard of the word imra'ah? Imra'ah woman, imru'un, man. So if a man halaka, meaning he dies, laysa lahu walad, and he does not have any children. He doesn't leave behind any children. Walahu ukhtun, the only heir is who? A single sister, one sister. Falaha nisfu, then for her is half. Half of what? Ma taraka, the entire estate that he has left behind. What if it's a woman who has died, who doesn't leave behind children or parents? Second case is mentioned, which is, وَهُوَ يَرِسُهَا And he will inherit from her. From who? From his sister. إِلَّمْ يَكُلْ لَهَا وَلَدْ If she does not have a child. So the second case if of a woman who is a kalala, who doesn't leave behind parents and children, whose only heir is a brother. One brother. So that brother, how much will he inherit? The entire estate of his sister. فَإِنْ كَانَتَا And if they two were, meaning the heirs of the Kalala, they were إِثْنَتَيْنِ They were two sisters. Because this is female, right? So if he leaves behind two sisters, and this means two or more, in the case of one sister, how much will she inherit? Half. In the case of two or more, فَلَهُمَا Then for them, meaning for both the sisters, or for all those sisters, is أَثُلُثَانِ Two-thirds. Of what? مِمَّا تَرَكَ Of that which he has left. Meaning two-thirds of the entire estate is that which the sisters will take. وَإِن كَانُوا إِخْوَةً If they are brothers, who? The heirs. رِجَالًا Men. وَنِسَاءً And there are also some women. Meaning he leaves behind brothers and sisters. More than one brother, more than one sister. So let's say he leaves behind two brothers, three sisters. Three brothers, five sisters. Then in that case, فَلِلذَّكَرِ Then for the male meaning for the brother, is mithlu equal to hadlil unsayain, the share of two females. Meaning every brother will get twice the share of every sister. So basically, four cases are mentioned over here. First, he leaves only one sister. What does she get? Half of the estate. Second, she leaves only one brother. What does he get? The entire estate. Third, he leaves two or more sisters. They will share in two-thirds of the estate. He leaves brothers and sisters. Then each brother will get a share that is double of the sister's share. So these are the cases of the kalala. Allah says, يُبَيِّنُ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ Allah is clarifying this to you. He's making it clear to you. He's giving you all this detail. Again, why? أَنْتَضِلُّوا Lest you go astray. Lest you become misguided. He's saving you. This is why he's telling you these details. Wallahu bi kulli shay'in alim, and Allah is knowing of everything. He is the source of knowledge. He is the source of guidance. Whether it is law, social law, family law, whatever kind of law it is, whether it is the problems in your life, personal issues that you're facing, personal struggles that you're going through, whatever it is, He is knowing of everything. So when He knows everything, then guidance should be sought from who? Him. Answers should be taken from who? From Allah. And with this, we reach the end of Surah An-Nisa. Surah An-Nisa is also known as Surah Al-Adl Wal-Rahmah. We learned about the commands at the beginning and commands at the end. In the middle, there's so much emphasis on justice. Justice with who? The people who are around you and also with this deen that you believe in. Allah, His Messenger, His Book, 
justice. Give them their right. The messenger has come, believe. The Qur'an has come, believe, obey. Because the thing is that we can only establish justice in the society when we can establish it in the home. We can only give the haqq of Allah when we give the haqq of the people around us. Because this is an attitude, right? We can only be fair in the society when you can be fair in the home. So this is why the laws pertaining to family life are mentioned in the surah in so much detail. Because the training begins from where? From the household. If a person cannot be fair with their mother, how can they be fair with a stranger? It's not possible. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the ability to take the best from the surah, to act upon it, so that we become ar-rasikhuna fil ilm, not just people who have surface knowledge, but who are deep, who don't just know, but they also implement. Recitation. Ya ahlal kitab la taghlu fi dinikum wa la taqulu ala Allahi illa al-haqq. إنما المسيح عيسى بن مريم رسول الله وكلمته ألقاها إلى مريم وروح منه فآمنوا بالله ورسله ولا تقولوا ثلاثا إنتهوا خيرا لكم إنما الله إله واحد سبحانه أن يكون له ولد له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض وكفى بالله وكيلا لن يستنكف المسيح أن يكون عبدا لله ولا الملائكة المقربون ومن يستنكف عن عبادته ويستكبر فسيحشرهم إليه جميعا فَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ فَيُوَفِّيهِمْ أُجُورَهُمْ وَيَزِيدُهُمْ مِنْ فَضْلِهِ وَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ اسْتَنْكَفُوا وَاسْتَكْبَرُوا فَيُعَذِّبُهُمْ عَذَابًا أَلِيمًا وَلَا يَجِدُونَ لَهُمْ وَلَا يَجِدُونَ لَهُمْ مِنْ لله وليا ولا نصيرا يا أيها الناس قد جاءكم برهان من ربكم وأنزلنا وأنزلنا إليكم نورا مبينا فَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا بِاللَّهِ وَاعْتَصَمُوا بِهِ فَسَيُدْخِلُهُمْ فِي رَحْمَةٍ مِّنْهُ وَفَضْلٍ فَسَيُدْخِلُهُمْ فِي رَحْمَةٍ مِّنْهُ وَفَضْلٍ وَيَهْدِيهِمْ إِلَيْهِ صِرَاطًا مُسْتَقِيمًا يَسْتَفْتُونَكَ قُلِ اللَّهُ يُفْتِيكُمْ فِي الْكَلَالَةِ إِنْ امْرُؤٌ هَلَكَ لَيْسَ لَهُ وَلَدٌ وَلَهُ أُخْتٌ فَلَهَا نِصْفُ مَا تَرَكَ 
Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.